Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. Today, we're talking all about generating ideas and sifting the good from the bad. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and in a time when books were banned for not having enough gratuitous adult situations, one man stood up for the cause of lyrical literary fiction. That man is my friend and co-host, Peter Turley. Peter, how are you doing today? Well, these courses aren't going to stand up for themselves, are they? These are uh, all these different courses. So I, I like no. to, you know, champion, especially, uh, you know, gratuity and <laughs> violence and adult content. <laughs> well, and we, we thank you for it. You know, I mean, we need someone out there who's championing the cause. And I can't think of a better person to be doing it. So I don't know where I get the time. I really don't. <laughs> I don't either. You're always so busy all the time. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> so how's your week been? You know what? It's been really good. Um, I've been getting a lot done on uh, on redoing the Punch in the Gut course, getting it all uploaded so it's on our own site. Um, also, and then, of course, you know, making the changes on Udemy as well. Um, the class did uh, the last – so the short story class that I've been teaching here locally at the college, um, it's just a four-night course. So the first three nights were all about actually how to tell stories and everything. So we just finished it last night and was doing feedback, you know, and asking them, hey, was there anything that we missed, you know, and stuff. And so getting that feedback was really awesome. So that's going to be a really strong course that's going to be coming out here this month, the short stories course um, for the online. And I'm just excited about that. Um, oh, and one other really cool thing that's going on. Um, I know you and I, we're, we're putting together a webinar. I want to test the webinar out first, you know, to see how it works and make sure that there's nothing, no kinks in it. So in two weeks, I'm going to do a, a webinar by myself just about the punch them in the gut. And so we've, we've been developing the advertising for that, um, putting that together, trying to figure out, you know, how much do you give away from the course to make them want to take the rest of the course? And that kind of stuff's a lot of fun. And, uh, I don't know. Just there's a lot of great stuff going on. Feels really good. How about you? Yeah. Well, good luck. Um, a lot of a lot of editing. I've um, dug. Uh, I faced a few problems before Christmas, uh, story-wise. Um, worked with a, an editor that wasn't really working out. Um, so I, I, I tried the shelve it method, um, and so I've come back this week and I've been editing heavily every day and trying to trying to push to get this this thing finished. Um, but it's going really well, and it's a may. It is a may. We we always say this, and it surprises me every time I do it. When you put a story away, and you pull it out, and you you look at it, <laughs> it's like th those fresh eyes are so are so fresh. Like I was noticing, even like spelling mistakes, like really mm -hmm. easy like stuff that just should have been noticed, and looking at it and. You know the, the the plot was off and the, the structure was off, and it, it's almost like if once you've once you drag it out the drawer, it's like someone else has written it, and you know it, it really works as as a as a technique to to put shelf something for a little while and then come back to it later, and you know it astounds me every time. Oh yeah, like uh, so we talked about that last night, 
And it was really funny getting the reaction because um, none of the people in this particular class that I was teaching had ever heard about trying to do that. And so here I am, you know, we're like, all right, so this is how we're going to do our editing. First thing, we're going to just do this really big bird's eye view of it and take a look. And we're going to kind of note some things that, uh, that don't sound exactly right. And then we're going to put the, all those papers and shove them into a drawer and we're gonna walk away for a minimum of two weeks. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> like, ah. It's like, no, seriously, your mind's gonna be working on how to solve these problems. Your, your mind's gonna be thinking about all this other stuff that's going on subconsciously. Go ahead and write something else new. You know, keep, keep writing every day. But then when you come back to that, it's, yeah, exactly like you were saying, it's such a fresh set of eyes like it's someone else's work. Yeah, so. I mean, you, you, it, it is difficult to do because you're so giddy at that point <laughs> about the work that you I mean, I had, you know, I, when I finished it and then I look, when I look back over it and I was editing it and I realized that the, the plot was really similar um, to a, a popular uh, BBC series over here. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe like this is just a nightmare. <laughs> But then putting it away, <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, it's already been done. <laughs> it's like um, especially in fantasy, it's like the, you, you've just got to watch out for cliches more than anything. Um, but then coming back with those fresh eyes and you, you're sort of like, no, I, I can I can do this. I can handle it. And, you know, you feel ready to, to get back to work on it. And you're like, all those problems that seemed so big upon completion have, have kind of shrunk a little bit. When, mm -hmm. when you've you've just put it in the drawer and you you know you deny it the daylight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's just simmering and it, yeah, it makes it so much better. And just like you're saying, you know, with the, you came out and you say that you you know the plot represented a BBC show that was out there. Um, I think that's a really good thing. It's a really good segue into today's topic, you know, because we can generate these ideas. And sometimes we do feel really frustrated when we find out someone else has also done it at the same time, or we've just subconsciously have created something that uh, that maybe we've watched somewhere else. I hadn't even watched it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's how it's way somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's one of the funny things. Like, uh, like a lot of times... I, I definitely want to read in the genre that I write. And, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to read in the genre that I write because I'm afraid I'm going to read someone else's book that's exactly like my book that's not out yet. <laughs> and you always have the defense if someone says, um, oh, you've just, you've just copied it. And you're like, well, actually, I've never read that book. <laughs> I've never read it. <laughs> Keep away from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly, you know. Uh, so uh, it, it happened to my brother, too. Like, sometimes it can be happening on uh, completely different sites and in different fields. So he programs video games for uh, Android and iPhones. And um, there, he, he, had, he was in the, the very end stages of developing and putting this game together about a spy mouse. I don't think it was called Spy Mouse. But then another game came out from like a, a much larger company that was about a mouse who was a spy as well. And so he ended up just having to scratch the whole thing because it just was just too similar. Yeah. So, um, But if you have those ideas that they're similar, they're maybe a little bit different enough, you can shelve that for a while and come back to it, like we're saying, shelve it for a, a decade and come back and people have forgotten about the other ones. And then it <laughs> yeah. seems fresh and original. Or, or when you've got some some new twist to put on it, something original yes. to, to, to add to it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because um, Mackenzie, who's working for us this, uh, this semester, she just wrote an article about um, making your minor characters better. And this was one of the things that she mentioned in there. It's like, well, everything is done already. I mean, we we see these same archetype characters, archetypes in everything, but it's what you add to it 
you know, that makes it different and unique. So, so let's talk about how we're going to generate those unique ideas and those different ideas uh, and then figure out which ones can work for us and which ones aren't. And also, you know, taking a look at our manuscripts and seeing the story that we've put in there and trying to figure out why it's not working with what we're trying to sell or what we're trying to design. Yeah. Okay, so should you want to jump right in there with one or did yeah. you, you get on? Yeah. No, go ahead. Um, I, um, I, I, I've, I've written down here, um, <laughs> read, watch, play, and read. <laughs> now, that can be like summed up into just basically like consume. And I think like, you know, thinking of it kind of like, um, you know, you want to make uh, a meal and you, you can't make a meal without ingredients. And like the more you put in, the more you get out. And I think, you know, reading, you know, whether, you know, you, like you say, you don't, perhaps like to read in, in your genre, you know, read outside your genre, um, watch stuff, um, play games, whatever like gets the the imagination going. I think it's first and foremost, like stoking the fire of your imagination. And I think the best way to do that is to just consume. And I, <laughs> for me, it's kind of like a juicer. <laughs> like <laughs> I, might, I might throw like two barrels of fruit in there <laughs> and get like a little <laughs> shot of juice out. <laughs> but you know it tastes good <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know it, it does it does it takes a lot it seems like to to generate and sometimes we have this massive amount of of effort that we're putting into it for very small something that comes out of it like uh for short stories you know you're doing a lot of a lot of backstory and research and trying to understand and what's actually comes out you know is 3500 words a very small amount of material but it's very good material yeah yeah i think um and as you say with uh, when we were talking earlier about um shelving a, a story and sort of letting the, the subconscious work away at it it kind of works the same way it's like when you're watching things and reading things or maybe not even watching them and somehow they get in your head anyway <laughs> all, all these things sort of like form these like links like the, the brain is a great pattern finder and mm -hmm. you know it makes links it, it forms patterns and everything that's in there and that you're you're consuming it's kind of just working together to to find something cohesive that, that works um, kind of like when you know you you look at something nondescript and you know you 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 see a face because like you know your your, your mind is programmed to look for these mm -hmm. images and I think it works that your imagination works that way with stories and the more you put in there the more likely you are you, you've got a, a bigger well to draw upon that you know that you're more likely to to have a new idea like bubble to the surface one day. Yeah, um, I I totally agree with you on that that we do, we need to be totally stoking our fires on a regular basis. Um, one thing I wanted to point out here, just because we, we do, we do live in a huge uh, information age, but at the same time, you can develop the same idea that someone else developed. You know, that happens, it happens a lot. You know, the telephone was designed and, and the television was also designed in two different places roughly at the same time. The reason is that sometimes we come up with these same ideas is because it's in the uh, the the conscious subculture that, that that it's just there, you know, like because this idea and this idea and this idea are being shared out in public, it's easy to come to the same conclusions, and that's because 
we're all humans. You know, we all <laughs> have the same brain pattern. We all have the ability to tell story. And sometimes this can happen and that's okay. You know, you, yeah. you don't have to defend yourself for coming up with the same story that someone else came up with. <laughs> I, think, uh, it, I think it was possibly Jim Rohn who said, uh, there's, there's nothing quite as powerful as, a, as an idea whose time has come. And it, that's interesting. And I think like with the, the telephone and the television, it's, it's almost like that idea's time had come. And so it's, it was inevitable that it was going to perhaps pop up in a few different places. Yeah. And at and least it means like, you know, you're, you're paying attention to the right ideas. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, and um, unfortunately, uh, in this world where we've broken down the walls of publishing, we've broken down the, you know, we've torn down the gatekeepers. Um, it's still now it comes down to who can present the idea better, you know, and who can get that idea out in front of an audience faster and be able to to tell that story with the power that it needs to be told. Um, just because people have the same idea, one person is going to be able to do it better than someone else. Um, last night, I, we were talking about critique groups and beta readers and trying to you know how to use them. And one person was like, well, what happens if someone steals your idea? Okay, well, if they steal your idea and they make it successful, it just means that you're not at that level to make it successful yet. <laughs> you know, it's just really at that point is who can make it successful. And because telling the story is not just about the idea. And I mean, we're going to talk about, that's what we're talking about here is generating that idea. But it's also generating it and putting it into a context that it becomes a good idea that catches fire. Yeah. <clears throat> so how do we... How do we check that context? How do we kind of like, you know, run our idea up against something and figure out, you know, if it's if it's the right one? Sure. Um, there's certainly some different ways that we could do this. Um, the first one I, I would talk about is uh, is turning back. If you if you watched um, our series on the seven basic plots, this is kind of the same idea. Um, I have this book by Ronald Tobias. It's called Twenty Master Plots. And he goes through and talks about the cool name. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. read that just for the name. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and Ronald B. Tobias. <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome. So, like, he goes in and talks about uh, about plots. You know, like the quest, the adventure, pursuit, rescue, escape, revenge, riddle, um, rivalries, underdogs, temptation, metamorphosis, transformation, um, love, forbidden love, sacrifice, discovery wretched excess and ascensions and descensions. So there's a lot of plots available out there. So let's take a look at your idea. You know, um, we, you've, you've, maybe we should talk just a little bit more first about generating the idea and then we'll jump onto this. So how do you generate this idea? Peter's already mentioned, you know, is definitely filling up that well. I would say also, you know, jump in and take a look at what's going on in the popular media today. Like take a look at the news headlines. Um, those have stories that already have set up um, conflict and heroes and villains and things that you can draw from immediately. So let's say you grab the story headline um, and let's let, we'll use a dark headline first. You know, unfortunately, you know, we've had a lot of school shootings that have happened in the past several years. And it's it's just a real devastating idea. But it's, it's part of our culture now. Like this idea of terrorism has become part of our everyday life over the past decade. And um, so let's say that you're wanting to write a story that takes place in, during a school shooting with people inside that little room, you know, like they've, they barricaded themselves in and the tension and things that are involved in that. So you would take that story idea and then you would look at it against the plots. 
you know, what kind of a, what kind of a story is this? You know, and, and you could look through these and say, let me pull this back up again, you know, and uh, is it the underdog story? Probably not. You know, is it that uh, metamorphosis? Maybe, maybe it's about a person who, you know, comes out of their shell to be the hero in that situation. Um, it could be uh, about um, sacrifice, you know, and that could be the story. And so you look at it and you say, how does this story fit with other stories that are already in these genres that are in these plots? Where does my story fit? Because if you can't find that story fit for it, if you can't find where it fits neatly into a plot, it's going to be harder to get that story into the minds of readers. And the reason why, the reason why plot is important and structure is important is that gives the familiar feeling for the reader to then be exposed to your new ideas. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it gives them a, gives you a vehicle to sort of transmit like your own voice, <clears throat> and and I think as well when we're sort of considering is my idea original, um, and you think oh no, like it's not because any sense that of, of unoriginality might be just coming from the fact that it feels familiar and and it it is part of this whole structure that works, and sometimes if your voice author voice is strong enough or your your characterization is is really good you know that can be the only originality that you need to bring to it you know if you can just write it in a bit of a different in a really fresh way then you know sometimes sometimes that's enough to to inject that just that bit of originality into, into like what is essentially um a plot that we hear every day or we you know we read in our newspapers every single day yeah yeah, the having the original thought there is the important part. And the characters, you're gonna you're gonna be able to create your character different than anyone else can create the character. You know, if you tie the right emotional strengths to them. Um, an example we were talking about off camera, and I'll share this here. You know, is that you're taking a look to see, let's say for instance, you've written, you know, you've got this great quirky romance story that you want to write, and then you're like, I want this super powerful ending. And so I want, I want the person, you know, one of the people to die at the end that, you know, um, at that moment, maybe that's a moment you say, well, maybe this shouldn't be a quirky romance. <laughs> maybe this shouldn't be a funny comedy romance. If the people are dying at the end, maybe this should be a serious, um, uh, tortured romance, you know, the Unless terrible a really weird target audience. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and there certainly is a target audience for just about anything that you want to write today. You just have to dig deep to find it. <laughs> um, it depends on how commercial you're trying to be. And, you know, if you're trying to sell it to a big five publisher, if you're trying to sell it to a, a traditional small press, um, if you're cross genres, you know, and trying to find that audience on your own, it can be possible. And that's one thing that I think we, I really always like to just bring up. Everything is possible. It's how hard are you willing to make it work? <laughs> um, because some things are just going to be too crazy, you know, and you're going to bang your head against the wall for a long time trying to find a crazy audience who likes quirky romantic comedies where the characters die at the end. <laughs> You're like, but but I've met one other person that likes this. <laughs> That's almost enough to start a club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just sell to that one person. You just have to pay. You know, they just have to pay a lot for your book. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, taking the the adage. Um, you know, have have one ideal reader. You know, write for one person, but that's taking it like literally. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking it a little bit too far. <laughs> uh, I, so. I came across a, 
uh, an interesting quote by um, John Steinbeck. Uh, and he said, ideas are like rabbits. Um, you get a couple and you learn how to handle them. And pretty soon you have a dozen. <laughs> I just think that that's great. And it's like, I'd just like to, to mention, and we have, you know, we've said this before, but, you know, keep, keep a journal because I think that that's where like ideas become, either become good ideas <laughs> or you can come back to them later and realize that they were really bad ideas. But <laughs> there's a knack of if you don't write it down, you know, a couple of days later, you might think, oh, I had, I had such a good idea the other day and I can't remember what it was. And suddenly, you know, you, you put this idea up there and you, you think that it was, it was better than it might have been. So even if <laughs> the idea just goes there to die, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think this is where, you know, you, you, you tend to those rabbits and you, you sort of, you learn, you practice spotting the difference between a good one and a bad one. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I definitely. And I totally, I love writing down, you know, like uh, I'll have, uh, the other day I had a, a dream. It was a very vivid dream going through and I woke up and I immediately grabbed the phone and I wrote down the ideas, you know, because it, it was this uh, scientist story kind of thing going on about uh, transmitting um, information through DNA, you know, to an, to another person. And I was like, well, that's, that's a really clever idea for a story and, you know, trying to work some things out. But the, the unfortunate thing was, is I couldn't pull enough of the dream because <laughs> I was like, this seems so much more rich and developed <laughs> a couple of minutes ago when my eyes were closed. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that's, that subconscious can be slippy sometimes. <laughs> It really can. Um, <laughs> so along with this, uh, it's one of the points I really want to bring across here, and I hope you've already heard this. What we're, One of the things we're saying is that you need to compare your stories against contemporary literature that's out there. Um, if you're going for genre fiction, compare it to the other genre fiction that's out there that's working. What is selling well? Is it, if you're going for literary fiction, what, is, what are winning awards? What are people interested in at this time? You know, and that's one of the ways that we can compare our idea against other people's to say whether it's good or not good. Um, I remember uh, reading Ernest Hemingway talking about if he is going to be, a, he was not going to be a mediocre writer, that he was going to read everyone else's work that was better than him because he wanted to write his next piece to be better than them. You know, like he wanted to do it better. And that's what we're saying, you know, what's working? How can you make your story better than what's already there. Because that's what you want, right? You want readers. You want people to be interested. So let's take a look at what's already working. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And th that kind of goes with, um, you know, when people say, if there's, <clears throat> if there's a book that you want to read and you can't find it, then write it. And it's sort of that, yeah, you know, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with reading something and thinking, I think I can do better or add, add something to this and think you almost almost need to think that a little bit <laughs> well you know and uh and you're very familiar with 50 shades of gray having edited the academic version yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh that's this is what she did she took a popular genre for twilight started writing fan fiction in it where she took the story and made it hotter than what it was in the book um, fulfilling the desires for the people that wanted to have more out of those. So she took an idea that was working and then changed it to to build on it. <laughs> I don't know that you can make Twilight better. <laughs> 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 I, 
it's already out of print. I guess I, I guess I should say I think you can make Twilight better without much effort. But <laughs> um, that's what she did, though. You know, I think that's she, what she did, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, she did. You know, she and, made it better and, without much effort. <laughs> without much effort, and outsold it. You know, and so that's. And I'm not saying that sales have to be your judge. If you just like writing for the sake of writing, it's for yourself. They don't have to worry about this. Generate the funniest, quirkiest, great ideas that you have and just run with them. If you're trying to make this your life, you know, your life's work and you're trying to make a living off of this, then you need to pay attention to the business of writing. Yeah, definitely. And I think it can be hard, can't it? You know, finding the time to sort of read and write and amongst everything else. Yeah. But, you know, even if you can just, you know, pick a couple up a month and, you know, like, or, you know, one or two, anything, just keep it current, you know, yeah, get it from the, you know, the, the top tens in the genre or, yeah, like you say, find out what's working and keep it current so that you can build on, I mean, you don't want to build on something that was written like 20 years ago because we've, we've probably already moved on <laughs> within the genre. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, also I think, Peter's hitting on a very important thing. What's working in that top 10 list? If the book shows up on the top 10 list one week and then it is gone, that book's not working. You know, they did good marketing, but it's not working. What's the book that stayed in the top 10 for 30 weeks? You know, what's what's that book? What's the book that people continually are talking about? You know, and and if you only have time to read one book per month, then that's the book you grab and you try to figure out and examine it and what's making the story work. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, I want to actually, I want to mention one thing because you're right. You know, 20 years ago, we don't want to hit that. But there is something that happens in our society and it's a called a, it's a 50 year cycle. Um, David Farland, who's a fantastic author, New York Times bestseller. I've, I've taken a few of his classes. Um, he's got a book called, I believe it's Million Dollar Plots. And because he's he worked in Hollywood for a long time, green lighting projects and saying, yes, this story is going to sell. This story will not sell. <laughs> and one of the things he talks about are these 50 year cycles. And so what you would do is you, we have this idea, you know, like uh, Treasure Island was written. Well, 50 years later, another pirate movie was written or another pirate book was written. And 50 years later, then we ended up having um, uh, the, the Johnny Depp pirate movies. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean came out, and so we have this yeah, idea. He doesn't know them. What was that? What is that? Johnny <laughs> Fellow. What was his name? Um, <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, like, that's that's it's a cycle that happens. Um, so, like right now, I, I did this before I came on the show. I took a look back at fifty years ago, and one of the big things were spy books. Um, James Bond was was just exploding at that time exploding um <laughs> and unintended. Uh, unintended there but uh that's something that you can see today spy stories are hot right now people have a big interest in it we're, we're we're diving back into the cold war i just watched um bridge of spies the other day with with tom hanks it was a fantastic story um so take a look at what happened 50 years ago what was popular 50 years ago if you're looking for something to compare it to and will it work today yeah, that's that's a really great point, and it, it got me thinking. Um, so, so do uh, you know the film Stormbreaker? Is it um, where he's he's like a young, he's he's, he's kind of like James Bond. He's a, a, a spy, or his, his dad was a spy, and so basically, it's it's that kind of film 
um, brought into like the modern day. And the, the new idea is that he's a teenager. So, you know, someone's basically thought, well, what, how would this go if it was a, a teenager? Okay. And, and I think that's just great. You know, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a decent, it's an okay film. But um, so, yeah, like you say, taking something from like that long ago and being like, okay, well, what if it was different in this way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I may be wrong, I think Pierce Brosnan may have a cameo in that film. Which, if he does, is kind of like a great kind of like nod <laughs> to to the origins of it. Um, yeah, I'll I'll have to check that one out. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, there's been a, there's been enough. Forget the name now, but there was another one recently. Um, same kind of premise uh, where the it, oh, it had um, Colin Firth in it. Um, her Maj- on Her Majesty's Service or something like that. Um, and it was really good. And again, it was kind of like you know, what if these? What if the spy was like? Uh, an adolescent mm-hmm. um, so certainly I think that's interesting that they're coming around but they're also changing yeah and exactly that you you still you've got to bring something original to the story but it gives you the familiar feeling to dive back into um, and so spy spy novels are just one thing you know like just take a look at what some of the other stuff is um, you know and we've we're talking movies here with the with the spy things but I think we could jump out to John McClare and um, uh, I, I can't I can't think of the other guy right off the top of my head, but they're producing a lot of great spy novels right now. And um, yeah, I, you just have to look at what's what's worked in the past far enough ago that it's become fresh again and what's currently working, you know, because one thing you probably don't want to do is is, is run down. <laughs> um, <laughs> you probably don't want to be writing sparkly vampire stories right now. You probably missed that boat. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> oh, six months down the drain, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, you might want to stay away from young adult dystopian because I mean, we're we're probably about to the point where we've played that out. You know, that there's been so much of that happening. Yeah. Um, so you do have to be careful on which genres that you're trying to write in. But if you can bring a totally unique voice to your idea, um, maybe it'll work. So it's just something you got to think about because you. You don't want to spend up, spend all your time wasting. You don't want to waste all of your time. Yeah, I, I, I've just sort of looked up that, that film was called. It was a film, albeit um, Kingsman. Uh, it's oh, worth yeah. check, it's worth checking out. Um, you know, it's a really good sort of like original take on like the the, the spy genre. Um, yeah, it's a film, but I, it was a good example of that. Like, well, but uh, actually, that one um, it was a comic book before it became a film. So oh, it's right. a graphic novel, and um, I, I really enjoy the film as well. It's a, it's a fantastic idea. Plus, nods to the, the old James Bond films, you know, with <laughs> with the really crazy villains. And and at this point, I should be doing. Uh, I'm going to torture you for a while or something like that, you know. And then yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, it's not this type of movie. So that kind of stuff was fun, you know, the the nodding to the old, but then changing it to something new and original. So that that is a really good one. So definitely take a look at both of them. Yeah, um, it's interesting how these, um, you know, everything's kind of like communicating with something else. You know, like it, it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily stand alone. And I think it is worth thinking. You know, how is my story or my idea uh, communicating with with what's come before? Sort of like how am I responding to what's already been said about this this idea? Well, yeah, and and um, I'll jump on a soapbox here for just a just a minute. Um, it's just like with uh, with uh, public domain, and you're lucky 
you know, because you still have you still have public domain that's uh, fifty five years after the author's death. Is that yeah, something, yeah. Where you're at? But ours continue in the United States continually gets pushed because of of Walt Disney <clears throat> and Mickey Mouse. So every time Mickey Mouse is about to become public domain, Di the Disney company makes this huge push um, to extend uh, public domain out. And the reason why I'm upset about this is because, like you're saying, that our ideas, our ideas for story as a civilization, as a community, build off of those old story ideas. And we are being denied access to those ideas. And we haven't had anything come into to public domain here in the United States in over 70 years. And so that's it's a disservice to us as authors because exactly like you're saying, Peter, you know, we build story off of story. Um, that's just part of how we tell story. Yeah, it's. A, I've just just double checked. It looks like it's fifty years here. Um, but yeah, that that is that's. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a real it's a real shame, and uh, and and a, necess a necessary part really in, in, for the development of <laughs> of us. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Like I mean, take for instance, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz, fantastic series of books, the originals. Had uh, had those been before Disney came along, if they were still captured in this uh, public domain uh, nightmare that's going on here, um, we wouldn't have had the book Wicked and, and Son of a Witch. And those are fantastic story ideas where it took um, something that was familiar, The Wizard of Oz in, the, in that world, and then took it in an entirely different way to create original characters, original thought, um, and really could suck in the reader. Yeah, yeah, and I, th I think um, <clears throat> sort of to, to to kind of like bring that to like um, you know idea generation. I think that's that's just another reason to to make sure you are sort of like consuming these these stories that have or these you know these mammoth kind of you know the, the stories we all know and love, like like you said earlier, the ones that have stood the test of time you know like wizard of oz you know it's a it's a great example of like characters you know like the kind of like classic um archetypal characters and an, an age-old plot and i think yeah you know maybe go go and see what came out 50 years ago today <laughs> you know what, what, what was it what was in the what was in the you know the top 10 <laughs> 50 yeah. years ago today and like what can you do with it <laughs> Yeah, and it's a great way to to take a look and to generate some ideas. Um, I have another really, uh, uh, I think this is a fun um, way to generate ideas because I think that the the major elements of a story um, boil down to three things, and I call them the three Ps, and that's a person in a place with a problem. And uh, I think this is a fun way to play, especially if you have a writer's group that you attend. Um, Next time you go to your writer's group, grab a stack of the uh, of note cards, take them with, um, uh, give everybody like uh, nine cards, and on three of the cards, everyone write down a, a person, you know, like a, so you, so you write down like what their profession is, you know, spy, baker, banker, uh, school teacher. And then you go and do a place and you write down three places that you find exotic that you'd like to, to have a story take place. And I, maybe we've talked about this before, you know, like with the idea of the moon or, 
you know, you want to go to Belize or, or some place exotic and interesting. And then you come up with a problem, you know, and then is it an inner problem, like uh, an emotional thing that's going on or an outer problem, asteroids coming to blow up the earth, to hit the earth. Um, and then what you do is you uh, shuffle these together, shuffle all the people together, all the places together, all the problems together. And then you flip the three cards up and come up with this crazy plot idea. <laughs> you know, because uh, now, now all of a sudden you've got a, a baker in Belize that's dealing with uh, with an asteroid coming towards Earth. You know, and and, <laughs> and it can be a lot of fun. And it and all it is, it is. It's just all about generating generating ideas and being silly with it and letting your imagination flow. You know, my. Is he baker protective uh, crossed around the earth? <laughs> oh yeah, yes. Pastry. <laughs> <laughs> In order to deflect it, exactly how it happened. <laughs> um, That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and because I think you know, like uh, when I get to hang out with my with my boys, um, it's so much fun to listen to them come up with just crazy, ridiculous story ideas. You know that I in my adult life would be like, well, that doesn't work. But those types of things can generate and move forward to an idea that does work, you know, and it can get the, get those juices flowing in a way that you might've dismissed before. Yeah. And that, that's, that's really cruel shame. I mean, like, you know, we, we feel this pressure that um, as writers, that everything we suggest or write down has to sort of be like the best thing we're capable of. And these exercises, like that awesome one that you mentioned then, are just, and they are exercises because they strengthen something and they strengthen that muscle. And we need to, just so that we get in the habit of putting an idea down and thinking, you know what, it doesn't have to be the one I'm going to run with. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to strengthen this muscle and it just has to get me used to like you say, looking at a person and a place and, and what was the third one? Person, person place, or the problem. Yeah. And thinking, oh, I've got an idea about that for a story for that. You know, or you see you see someone walk into a, a pub and, you know, they just look like a character and you're like, oh, and then I heard of this interesting, like, place that someone had been the other day. And then you, you, you can start making these links. And those exercises are just, you know, you have to do them. Yeah, because... Um, you just want to generate the ideas and there's not a bad idea. It's how, whether or not you can uh, execute it. Well, um, there's, there's a lot of places out there that can give you this. There's a lot of good journaling um, material you can pick up that uh, I picked up one. Um, it was a year of writing prompts and it just has uh, two or three sentences at the beginning of a story. And then you fill out the rest of what happens in that story. You know, and it's just getting, it's just getting you to write every day. Because that's uh, that's one of the really important parts. I'll, I'll give you an example here. So Hank Hudson, which ends up being a, about a boy in the 1930s who's trying to catch up with his parents and finds out that he has the ability to turn invisible and he's part of uh, a fantasy world that he didn't even know existed. Now, that story idea started out um, based on a couple different things. One of them was my own life. Um, my father lost his job when I was very young. And we moved on a, on a fairly regular basis. Um, I'd live with my grandma, you know, go stay with uncles, go stay with cousins, go stay with friends, all this stuff and constantly moving around. And some of the things that uh, would happen when you'd meet these different people that you're staying with, it, it was just, it was like a book. And so the original idea for Hank Hudson was that, uh, that he came from this large family that ended up getting farmed out and he goes and moves around to all these other places. And so I started writing it that way, started writing out the ideas. 
And then I came across the idea of adding in the fantasy element to it. And that changed the whole thing. And that expounded my universe exponentially and it created a much stronger story. But had I just dismissed the original idea, I would have never arrived at where Hank Hudson is today. Yeah, I think that's um, that's great. And I love the way you say sort of <clears throat> um, what adding that element kind of like did to the whole idea. And again, it added that originality, hasn't it? You know, it's it's you've, you've brought something to what could have arguably already existed. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of stories about kids who are left behind, you know, that are that are orphaned stories. Harry Potter's an orphan story, you know, um, Luke Skywalker is an orphan story. And I didn't want it to be another orphan story. You know, I wanted yeah. to have something that felt unique and original about it. So and your own life is, is a really great place to look, especially for, well, for all of those three things for people, places and, you know, what people do you remember from your life? Who's left an impression? Um, you know, what and it, it's never about who that person is. It's more about how you see them and what you've built them up to be in your mind. Mm -hmm. And also what problems have you encountered in your life? And, you know, you remember them because of the struggle that you went through, but also because of who you are now because of them. So they were a journey and you've changed because of it. And, you know, write them down and explore them and, and see where they go. Yeah. And uh, I like how you said that, uh, you know, it's your perception of the person. Um, <laughs> this is something really stupid and silly that I started doing um, when I was in the military. We'd be on these convoys and sometimes your convoy would be parked and maybe you'd be parked for an hour or two. And you'd see these guys, you know, all the all the leadership guys out there talking about things, you know. And so I started making up their conversation, you know. And I'd do the voice <laughs> for one guy, and then someone else would do the voice for something else. And you know, like because we do, we we perceive things differently. Um, if you want to go, a uh, fun way to develop that person, trying to find that person is going out and people watching, you know, places that are very crowded, and watching people and how they interact with each other. Uh, going to a to a busy uh, restaurant during lunchtime and getting a seat by yourself and just listening to that conversation that's going on. You know, a lot of people are tell their problems, you know, and share their own stories and might be able to generate some ideas on that. Um, if you are people watching, I would suggest not going to public schools and watching the kids <laughs> get arrested. So just something to think about. <laughs> yeah, no, but that, that, that is a great one. And it's when I, as I recently started studying uh, creative writing, that's one that they have us do a lot. So I'm just going out, you know, amongst people and <laughs> kind of just like sitting there and staring at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you can look a little strange. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't wear your trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that coat so much, though. <laughs> I'm giving a bad name. <laughs> they really do. So, <laughs> and I, I um. I think we've we've come to the end of our time today. Um, I, I apologize. I hope we've gotten um, hit the high points of this topic, and we didn't get off too much on talking about uh, uh, public domain there for that little bit of rant. Um, but did you have anything you wanted to add to either generating ideas or how to sift through them? Um, only like only one more small tip. Um, you know whether it's useful or not. I don't know. That's not for me to judge. <laughs> um, but another one I wrote down was to you know check out like myths and legends. You know they're a great place to find these classic um, stories. And again, if you know if, if you don't really want to go and sit reading through a load of like you know 
ancient Greek myths or anything like that, then I'd say just that that um, twenty master plots was it you, you've you've yeah. got because at the end of the day that is a condensed version of of things that work everywhere. <laughs> yeah, just look for Tobias Ronald B. Tobias, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll, it'll look great on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely would. So, <laughs> well, if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, a plus on Google, or a like on YouTube. If you're an editor who'd like to be a guest on the show, or an author who'd like us to edit part of your work live on air, stop by thebookeditorshow.com and drop us a line. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and for my co-host Peter Turley, keep writing, keep learning, and build a better book. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras and for information on how to be a guest on the show. <laughs>